Hey, hey, hey. I don't know if I should ask this or not, but I've already asked a few. How many of you lost money this weekend? <laughs> How many of you made some money this weekend? All right. You know, I, I always enjoy Derby weekend. I've not been out there during the weekend of Derby. My wife and I have gone out with some friends on Friday nights to, uh, to watch the horses run. I enjoy that. There's just, sometimes I feel like my life is like that. I'm just running and snorting and throwing dirt. But there's a finish line, amen? Praise the Lord. Could you give me just a little bit of monitor? And I would appreciate that. And I'm not exactly sure what's happening with the ring-a-ding-a-ding. How many of you know Bill is going to fix it? Just like Jesus, Bill is the fixer. And he'll take care of it. Amen? Sounds like there's another microphone on or something. I don't know if that could be the case or not. But he'll take care of it. Amen. Well, listen, uh, we've got a lot of things that are coming up in the next few weeks. As I've been saying to you now for quite some time, we're doing everything that we can to kind of get back into a rhythm of church life. And uh, I know that we've got some people that in the next couple of weeks, uh, maybe three or four weeks, they're going to be rejoining us and coming back into the, the church house. And I'm expecting our church to grow from here. I really am. I mean, we just had a little bit of a pause, and uh, we're ready to move on, or at least I am. I know I am. And uh, if you just look around and see some of the faces or, or recognize some of the faces that have not been here, maybe just give them a call and just uh, ex and express how much you've enjoyed being back in the Lord's house. It might encourage them to want to come out as well. And let them know that we're getting back into the swing of things. Um, my wife has planned an event for the, uh, the ladies. It was planned for the 16th, but we had two or three things that were conflicting with that. And so she said, rather than have a small crowd because some can't come, uh, she'd rather just uh, change the date and then put it on a date where more can come. Uh, so be listening for that, ladies. She's got some good things planned for you, and I know that you'll want to be a part of it. Also, uh, on May the 16th, we have a very special guest speaker that's going to be with us. His name is Gary Taylor. I love it, Bill. Right there is fantastic. I don't know what you did, but your magic hands have worked again. I can hear myself, and I don't hear any ringy-dingy. Praise the Lord. But this, this young man, is uh, his name is Gary Taylor. He is an evangelist, and he's going to be coming to bring the Word of God to us. I want to encourage you to invite someone to come with you, particularly if they are unsaved or in an unbelieving state. I want you to bring them, and that may, they might hear the Word of the Lord and, and the anointing upon the Word of God. And we'll pray that the Lord will bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want you to be here on May the 16th. And then the very next week, we are going to be culminating 10 days of praise, which starts that week and goes for 10 days. 
we've got a young couple by the name of Chad and Karen Gentry from Nashville, Tennessee, that are going to be with us on that Sunday, and they are going to be singing and leading worship with us. And I know that you'll enjoy their ministry. They were very kind to us during the pandemic, and when we were doing all of our services online, they allowed us to use some of their music uh, to give our choir people a little bit of a break. And, and uh, I wanted to have them come so that we could meet them face to face. And it's just going to be a day of worship, a day of praise. And I want you to, to come and then invite somebody that you think might come to something like that that might not want to come hear me preach. Uh, and, and we'll just shock them, and at the end, I'll preach anyway. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. It really, it's just going to be a day dedicated to praise and worship. I'll be posting some of their videos online in the next few days. I encourage you to give them a listen and share them with other people that might want to come. Uh, they, they do some of the old hymns in a contemporary way, and they do some of the contemporary music as well in a way that I really think that you will enjoy. So that is, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's on the 24th or the, the 25th, something like that. What, 16 plus 7? 23. So that's the Sunday that they will be with us. I want to encourage you to, to uh, come and be a part of that. Amen. And then finally, we've got a lot of things in the digital bulletin. As you know, we're not doing the paper bulletins right now. Uh, but if you have one of these, you can have the bulletin delivered to your phone every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. All you have to do is text BLTN space Spirit Life. Now, I'm, the reason I'm making this announcement is, is that the slide is incorrect because they just changed our contact number from 41411. Put it back up there, Jared, so they can see it. From 41411 to 81411. So all you have to do is type BLTN, Spirit Life, to 81411, and you can start getting the digital bulletin on your Android or on your uh, iPhone every Saturday morning, and then you'll know exactly what is going on in our church. Amen. I love our church, don't you? I'm so thankful for you. I'm delighted that during this pandemic, you did not leave me high and dry, but you have stayed the course, and we are making our way through this very graciously and gratefully, and uh, God is going to lead us to much better days. I really believe that things are already getting so much better. Amen. Let me just, before I preach, just let me encourage you just for a moment. To have a good attitude over the next few weeks as we start to unroll out of this pandemic. Uh, governors all over the United States are having to make difficult decisions and hard decisions. We have a governor that has made decisions that we may not have always liked or agreed with. But listen, try to put yourself in his shoes in this time in history. I was really disappointed yesterday at, when I was watching the, the uh, derby. Uh, when they panned the camera to our governor, he, he received quite a number of loud boos. And um, 
I, I was just disappointed in that. I, really, I think we're better than that. You say, yeah, but he said this, he did this. He said, listen, if you were in his shoes, you don't know how you might have decided. I know this, during this time, I personally have had to make a lot of decisions. Now, I found myself at times right in the middle of those who believed one way and another group that believed another way. There were people who didn't mind wearing masks. There were others they wanted to take me out back and fight me because I asked you to wear a mask. There's so many decisions that have to be made in moments of crisis. But listen, if you're not filling that role and if you're not walking in those shoes, it's not easy to understand how difficult it can be at times. We're better than that. We're the people of God and we can do better. I don't know if any of you were there or any of you had any comments about it. But let's just make up our mind that as the people of God, that we're going to love everyone and we're going to support our leaders as best we can. And I know you'll do that because I know that's the kind of people that you are. Amen? So pat your neighbor on the back and say, I think I just heard our pastor say, let's do better than we've ever done before. And we can do that. Amen? That's going to be real, real hard for some of you Republicans to do, but you can do it in Jesus' name. Amen? I have a message that I, I want to share with you today from the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. You know, over the last two or three years, I've been talking a lot about wisdom. I don't know if I'm, as I'm maturing in my faith, and as I'm getting closer to the Lord, and I'm experiencing newer revelation, I don't know if this thing about knowledge and understanding and wisdom is just hitting home with me or not. But I've been talking to you a lot about that over the last two or three years. Because the reality is that for many of us, we can be our own worst enemies. Isn't that true? There are times that we make decisions that just throw us in a tailspin that was absolutely not necessary. Because we had knowledge and we had the understanding, but we did not use the wisdom that accompanies that. And so today, I want to talk to you, though, about a different aspect of that. And I have named and titled my message today, The Limitations of Wisdom. Wisdom is good, but wisdom is not everything in every situation. So I want you, if you will, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 uh, through 10, and then we're going to, uh, verse 11 through 10, and then we're going to go into the next chapter, verses 1 through 4. Are you ready? Here we go. Verse 11. Again, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, or bread to the wise, or riches to the discerning, or favor to the skillful. Rather, time and chance happen to them all, to all of them. For certainly no one knows his time. He's like a fish caught in a cruel net, or like birds caught in a trap. So people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls upon them. I have observed 
that this also is wisdom under the sun, and it is significant to me. There was a small city with few men in it. A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. And now a poor wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. And I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. Verse 17, the calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. Chapter 10, verse 1. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil ferment and stink. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise person's heart goes to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. And even when the fool walks along the road, his heart lacks sense. And he shows everyone he is a fool. And if the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post. For calmness puts great offenses to rest. And we're also going to look at verse 20 in just a few moments. God, I don't want to read it right now. But I'll read it in context of the message. Let's pray together that the Lord would open our hearts and minister to us by his word. Father, I thank you for yet another day to be able to gather with the people of God. I'm so grateful for these people who love you and are serving you with all the energy that they can muster. Lord, we're living every day with fresh revelation as the Spirit of God brings it to us. And now we have positioned ourselves in your house so that we might worship you and honor you, so that we might pray together, so that we might encourage one another, and so that we might hear the words of the Lord. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. So Lord, will you strengthen me and anoint me that as I speak today, the word of the Lord will go forth with power. And will you touch this congregation today and give them the, hear, the ears of wise men and women of faith that whatever they hear today will spark in their mind and in their spirit and bring them to a place of victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So let's talk about this idea of wisdom. As you know, we begin our journey of wisdom with knowledge. Knowledge is simply information. You have to have information or you cannot have wisdom. So we begin with knowledge and we receive that through the Word of God and by the Spirit of God as He speaks to us. But then we have to understand that knowledge. We have to have a clear determination that this piece of information is important because it affects this part of my life in a positive way or a negative way. 
So we begin with knowledge, we obtain understanding, but then the wisdom is actually what we do with the understanding and the knowledge. Because if we don't apply wisdom to our lives, or if we misappropriate wisdom in our lives, then we cannot experience the victory that God has for us. But the good news is that if we appropriate divine wisdom, then there is no battle too difficult for us to overcome. We are well able to overcome it through the wisdom that God gives us. Amen? So today I want to talk to you, though, about some instances and some times when we put limitations upon our wisdom, or there are limitations that come upon this idea of wisdom. So very quickly, let me share four of those things with you. The first one is this. The best laid plans are subject to time and chance. Let me say that again. The best laid plans are subject to time and chance. Now read again with me verses 11 and 12. It says, Again I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, or bread to the wise, or riches to the discerning, or favor to the skillful, rather time and chance happen to them all. For certainly no one knows his time is like a fish caught in a cruel net, or like birds caught in a trap. So people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls on them. Now listen, here's, here's the news, the bad news, if you will. I don't care how prepared that you are. There are times that circumstances in life just find their way to us. We didn't ask for it. We didn't want it. But it came our way anyway. If I were to just ask you today how many of you would like to do 2020 again, there'd be very few hands that would go up. But the alternative to living through 2020 would have been not to be able to live through 2020. And I'm thankful that the Lord has taken what the enemy meant for harm and has turned it for our good. And even the one that we lost to this nasty virus is standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ today for to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. So it doesn't matter what the enemy throws our way, God will turn it for our good. But the reality is this, sometimes things come our way that just throw us off. They sometimes get us off course if we will allow it. Doesn't matter how fast you can run, you may be the fastest person on the racetrack, but there are times that someone else will be faster than you. I got tickled yesterday listening to Baffert as he's talking about his little horse. I don't know if you heard that or not. He kept referring to the little horse. 
before the race was even run. He was already laying the groundwork that I probably will not be able to take home the Derby Prize this year because our horses are not of the same quality that they've been in years past. And he certainly wasn't expecting the little horse to win the race. But there were others who they expected would win the race over this little horse. But guess what? When, when, when they let those horses loose, man, that little horse had different plans. And he started running like something was biting him on the tail because he took off. And you know, I heard an interesting fact about this horse. They said that once he takes the lead in all the races that he's run, there, he has never been passed by an opponent. Once he gets in the lead, he's never given the lead up. I want to live like that, don't you? I want to live my life in such a way that I am running the race effectively. But the reality is that Scripture tells us that it doesn't matter how much you prepared for your challenge, there will be times that time and chance will get in the way of our plans. I don't want to belabor this point, but I just want you to know that even when we expect the best, there will be things that will come into our lives that will require us to roll up our sleeves and beat the rest. Because the enemy is not going to leave us alone just because we tell him we're expecting the best. The enemy will say, well, you go right ahead and expect the best, and I'm going to throw the rest at you. But what we're going to have to learn how to do is say this, enemy, you go ahead and give me your best shot because I know this, God is for me. And if God is for me, tell me who can be against me. I may have to change some of my plans. I may have to adjust some of my ways. But through and with the help of the Lord, I am able to adjust in every given situation. So the first situation, the first thing I wanted to point out is that the best laid plans are subject to time and chance. The second thing that I want you to notice is that the size of the challenge is subject to you activating your wisdom. Now, you say, where do you get that? Well, look back at Scripture, if you will, in verse 14. It says, there was a small city with just a few men in it, and a great king, say great king. A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. Now a poor wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Now listen, there are times that our circumstances get so overwhelming that we think for sure that we're going to get beat that we think for sure I'm not going to be able to overcome this. That we start thinking, well, this is it. I did the best that I could, but this must be my time. 
this must be the time that I will be defeated because I don't have any idea how I'm going to get through this. The scripture says that a great king, a powerful king, a king who was a winner got upset with this little small city and came and was getting ready to besiege the city and prepared his troops to overtake them. But in the midst of a circumstance that seemingly could not be won, the Bible tells us that there was an old man inside the city walls. I would love to be able to know the rest of the story, wouldn't you? But Scripture doesn't tell us all that we need to know, only that this one man gave the wisdom that was necessary for the king to be defeated. <laughs> I want to be the, the one man, don't you? I want to be that one guy that stands in the midst of the crowd and looks the king in the eyes and says, uh, I have a piece of information uh, that is going to be your downfall. That's the way we've got to approach the devil every time he comes at us. If the devil comes after us or the devil comes after our family, the devil comes after our children, we have got to search our minds until we find that piece of wisdom that will enable us to say to the wicked devil, look, I know you're trying your best, but I'm just here to remind you that this little nugget of information that I have is going to be transformed into the wisdom that is going to be your downfall. The only way the devil can ever beat us is if we give him the battle. There's always a way of escape. Say, so, well, what did this man say? I don't know. What did he do? I don't know. It doesn't say. It just says a poor, wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. You know, we tend to want to listen to those who are rich and famous. There's a basketball player right now that I've decided I couldn't give a diddly rip what he has to say about anything anymore. You don't have to applaud, applaud that. But we think that just because we have a place of power and we've got lots of money, that that somehow makes us wise. But let me tell you that this man in this city was poor, and, and he had no gifting. He had nothing to give other than wisdom. Listen, let us always be reminded that we are not to respond and take the wisdom of the world. We must line ourselves with the wisdom of God's holy word. That's the only place and the only time that victory will come to us. If you have your Bibles, turn over with me. I want to, I want to share with you a little bit of a, a, a similar type story. Go over to 2 Samuel chapter 20, if you will. 2 Samuel chapter 20, this story is very familiar in that we just read one very similar to it. I'm going to begin reading in verse 14 because I want to get the context of what's happening here. 2 Samuel, 
beginning at verse 14, it says, Sheba passed through all the tribes of Israel to Abel of Beth Makkah. And all the Berites came together and followed him. Joab's troops came and besieged Sheba. They built a siege ramp against the outer wall of the city. While all the troops with Joab were battering the wall to make it collapse, a wise woman, say a wise woman, called out from the city and said, listen, listen, please tell Joab to come here and let me speak with him. And when he had come near her, the woman asked, are you Joab? He said, I am. She said, listen to the words of your servant. He answered, I'm listening. She said, in the past they used to say, seek counsel in Abel. And that's how they settled disputes. I am one of the peaceful and faithful in Israel, but you're trying to destroy a city that is like a mother in Israel. Why would you devour the Lord's inheritance? Joab protested, never, I would never devour or demolish. That is not the case. There is a man named Sheba from the hill country of Ephraim who has rebelled against King David. Deliver this one man and I will withdraw from the city. Now notice, the woman replied to Joab and said, watch his head will be thrown over the wall to you. And the woman went to all the people with her wise counsel, and they cut off the head of Sheba and threw it to Joab. So he blew the ram's horn, and they dispersed from the city, each to his own tent. And Joab returned to the king in Jerusalem. Now, the first lesson that you should learn from this is never mess with a woman. She will cut your head off if she must. It's interesting that the Bible describes her as a wise woman with wise words. Now, you have to understand that the day and age that she lived in was very different than the day and age that we live in today. I know that some of you women are wanting to get home as quickly as you can so that you can cut off the head of your husband and throw it over the wall to the dogs. That is not what we're trying to get to here today. Here's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to determine that there are times in life when our challenges are so large that the only way that we can overcome them is by wisdom. It's not by power. It's not by might. The Bible says it's not by power. It's not by might. It is by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So we have to understand that the size of the challenge is subject to us activating our wisdom. So here's how that applies to us. If you're dealing with a particular situation in your life, 
What you must do right now is begin to get as much knowledge and understanding as you can about that situation. You have to tear this book apart and say, Lord, I want you to tell me everything I need to know about this situation. And once I know the information, I'm going to wrap my head around it, and then I'm going to activate wisdom so that I can come against it and overcome it in your name. I want you to hear this. The Lord spoke this to my spirit. It is not the size of your challenge, but the implementation of your wisdom that defines you. You see, if we define ourselves by our challenges, then for some of us, we'll have an entire lifetime that has just been one challenge after another, after another, after another, after another. But it is not our challenges that define us. It's our victory that defines us. And our victory comes to us through activating wisdom that God gives us. The next thing, the third thing that I want to share with you from this passage of Scripture is that the folly of an unbeliever outweighs wisdom and honor. In other words, wisdom works by an act of our will. But we, because we have a free will and are able to do what we want to do, we can choose to ignore wisdom. And when we choose to ignore wisdom, it's absolute folly. Now I want you to notice what verse 16 says. In fact, go to verse 15. The last part, it says, No one remembered the poor man. And I said, wisdom is better than strength. But the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are not heeded and now look at verse 18 it says wisdom is better than weapons of war but one sinner can destroy much good now let me explain to you this word sinner and the word unbeliever it's not talking about those who are outside of a relationship with christ it's talking about those who choose not to believe what God has said about a situation. It's those who choose to reject what God has declared as truth. That's what he's talking about. So one person who chooses not to take God at his word can open the door to many things that come in to our lives. So what I'm telling you is, is if the word of the Lord says it, boy, you better roll up your sleeves and believe it. Because one poor choice can set your life in array. And then there's one final thing. Before I get to that, I, let me give you a quote that I love that Peyton Manning said several years ago. Peyton Manning said it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. I mean, how many people do you know that are in your circle that have such, such ability 
and such creativity, but they just create so many problems for themselves that they can't produce anything positive because of the poor decisions that they make. Peyton's right. It takes a whole lifetime to build the character that God wants us to build. But if we're not careful, in five minutes, it can all come crumbling down. Lord, help us to keep our minds stayed upon the Word of God and to walk in the character that we need to walk in. And one final thing, come help me stop this morning if you will. Here's the answer to this. Because we don't have to just accept the fact that wisdom is limited. Wisdom is only limited when we choose to limit it. God's wisdom can never be limited. The only way wisdom gets limited is if we choose to avoid it, to turn against it, to refuse it. We also have the opportunity to receive it, to accept it, and to release it. So the final point this morning is this. A calm soul promotes wisdom. Read with me verse 17. It says, the calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools. Look at verse 4 in chapter 10. If the ruler's anger rises against you, don't leave your post. For calmness puts great offenses to rest. And then look at verse 20. It says, Do not curse the king, even in your thoughts. Do not curse a rich person, even in your bedroom. For a bird of the sky may carry the message, and a weak creature may report the matter. He says, don't even think about it. He said, don't even curse someone in your mind. He said, what if it escapes and a bird finds out about it and takes it to the one that you're cursing in your mind and in your words? You see, we've got to be careful and we've got to remain calm. Because when we're upset and anxious and fearful, and we can't think properly about the things that God would have us to think about. So we've got to remain calm. We've got to be calm in every situation. Now listen, there's a place in our life for what I will call fright. There are times in life when information comes to you and your natural response is to be frightened. Did you ever have someone run a red light and you were getting ready to go through that intersection? The thought came to your mind, if I had proceeded, I would have gotten hit and who knows what might have happened. 
fright. There are times, maybe at night, the other day, the wind kicked up. We were sitting in the house, and all of a sudden, we heard this big, loud boom against the house. And I thought, what in the world? Donna said, what is that? Don't know. Went outside, and our breaker box is on the outside of the house. And somehow, it was left open enough. Well, I know somehow. I did it. I'd been fooling around in the breaker box and I didn't get it shut all the way and when the wind came it blew the door and boom against the side of the house and our first response was fright maybe something exploded maybe something's on fire our first response is fright I remember last year I was working in the flower beds and I decided I was going to move one of the pots from the front porch to the back deck. And I was taking it off of the porch and I failed to remember that I was in the flower bed, which is about two feet higher than the ground. And I forgot to allow for that two feet. And I just started walking with that pot in my hand toward the back deck. When I got to the end of the flower uh, flower bed, That two feet rudely awakened me to the reality that gravity is still active in our lives. I came off that flower bed and I started looking like a drunk man going through the yard. I mean, I'm trying everything I can. I finally threw my load off to the side and took myself to the ground. I'm laying there. And you know what goes through your mind? Am I okay? Did I break a leg? Then as I want to do, I always want people to think that I'm a good guy and smart. And I wondered if anybody in the neighborhood had seen me fall out of the flower bed. I start looking around. fright. It has a place in our life, but here's the problem. I know people that live every day of their lives with a spirit of fright. They're afraid of everything. They're afraid that this might happen. Afraid that that might happen. They're afraid that their kids are going to go somewhere and do something that they shouldn't do. Or something that might be harmful to them fright we are not made to live with constant fright it will drive your blood pressure up it'll make you sick because our bodies are not made to live in a constant state of anxiety we're not meant to live like that so what I've discovered is this the Lord spoke this to me in the emergency room Just about three weeks ago, as I'm laying there, I'm hearing all this talk about this man in this bed. This must have happened and that must have happened. And surely it's this and surely it's that. And if you're not careful, you can allow that to build up in your mind and it turns into fright. Because you don't know what's going to happen next. 
And so you get frightened. And then you very quickly realize, I cannot carry this fright for long. And so what I started doing is I started saying, Jesus, you haven't given this to me. You've given it to me to be used temporarily as a warning in case I'm facing something that I need to be aware of, but you have not given me this fright to deal with in a long period of time. So, Lord, I'm casting fright off. I'm casting it off. What do you do? How do you cast it off? Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, fright will either devolve into fear or it will evolve into faith. Let me say that again. Fright will either devolve into fear or it will evolve into faith. So when you find yourself in a frightening situation, you can either embrace fear by saying, oh dear Lord, this is it. I'm a goner. I'm not going to make it. These doctors aren't smart enough to take care of me. This is the end. Oh dear God, how am I going to make it? How am I going to pay for all this? How am I going to take this drug or that drug or whatever? How am I going to make it? What? 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 And we work ourselves, as my mother used to say, into a lather. Have you ever worked yourself into a lather? And we work ourselves into this state of frustration and fear. And then we're fear. We're afraid. We can say it, sit there and say, what's going to happen next? It'll add to this. What will be the next turn? What will be the next situation? I wonder what they're going to say next time. Or we can say, I'm a child of God. I don't have to worry. I don't have to let my fright devolve into fear. I don't have to live every day in fear because God's on my side. He is my healer. He is my resource. He is my help in the land of the living. He's my hope. He's everything that I need him to be. And so I know that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we can let the words of our mouth build our faith to the point that when everyone else thinks that you're a goner, when everyone else thinks that you can't make it, you can know down deep inside, my God shall give me the strength that I need to overcome this thing in Jesus' name. You know, Brother Phil, who sits back here, he's been through a lot over the last few months, haven't you, Phil? Surgeries, doctors who have said, you know, there's no real point and doing this and doing that. You're a man that you've got enough age, age under your belt that maybe we ought to just leave well enough alone. Not Phil. Phil said, I'm going to do whatever I can to live life the way God wants me to live it. We've seen him. We've watched him come in here with boots on his foot. We've watched him come in here with canes in his hand. We've even seen days when they rolled him in in a wheelchair. 
but we've also seen him come to a place of victory because God has done a work in his life and in his body. Yesterday, Donna wanted me to stop at Walmart real quick and go in and pick something up for her and we were going to head home. We went to the Walmart out on Preston. We don't usually go out there, but we did. I wasn't expecting to see anyone, so I jumped out of the car. I put my mask on and I'm walking toward the front. And about two rows over, I saw Phil and his beautiful wife coming out of Walmart. I believe it was you. I'm almost positive that it was you. But they were far enough away that I couldn't get to them or anything like that but I just I just stood there for a moment and I watched them and there went old Phil not old Phil just just Phil not not just Phil and he's walking his way out to the car and I mean he's got him going buddy he's got it moving why is that because at some point he made up his mind I am not going to be giving in to fear. I am not going to give in to fright. I am not going to live my life just barely getting by when I am serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <laughs> and the Lord is giving him strength. Let me tell you, the Lord is no respecter of persons. He will give you the strength that you need. He will give you the wisdom that you need to overcome your circumstance if you'll trust in Him and believe in Him. Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Isn't God good? He really is, isn't he? Prayer team, will you come and find your place up front? For those who might want to have prayer with you this morning, put your masks on and just get yourself prepared. If you have prayer, if you need have prayer needs this morning, and you need the Lord to help you and give you the wisdom that you need, I want you to head up front. And let these individuals pray with you today. And while you're coming, why don't you sing for us? Come on up. If you need prayer today, let these individuals pray with you this morning. Let's sing. Come on, sing with her. I have decided to
she is singing that I'm just thinking about my little dog Louie he doesn't know anything at all about following anybody he's a leader and if you don't believe that you try to walk him on a leash he will absolutely almost pull you down to the ground and he's only this big but he puts all of his energy into being out front when he could enjoy life so much better if he would learn how to heal and follow the leader. And it dawned on me, sometimes we get that way with the Lord. We have been taught for so many years that we should be leaders, and we should, in that area that God is asking us to lead. But there's some times that we just need to learn to follow. We just need to hear the word of the Lord and say, Lord, if that's what you're speaking to me, I'm just going to simply do what it says. It calms our soul because it takes the pressure off of us and it puts all I, I hate to say the pressure on him because he doesn't feel any pressure he doesn't feel any burden but he takes our burdens and he carries it and we follow him I'm thankful that we have one who's leading us by his spirit aren't you I'm thankful that if we will just follow him, he will lead us to a place of victory. So one more time, if there's anybody here today that you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want to invite you to consider doing that this morning. I believe today would be a great day for you to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. And when we start singing in just a moment, if you're here and you'd like to give your heart to Jesus, just come down front. They know how to lead you to Jesus. For those of you who are on live stream this morning and you need Jesus, just simply call out to him. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I receive that as truth. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. And you know he'll do that. He'll do that. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. Amen? So if you're out there in live stream land, I want you to just worship with us as we sing this song one more time. I have decided.
It's been so good to see you this morning. I love each of you with my whole heart. I pray that this will be a great week of victory for you. Do you believe it will be? Amen. God bless you. You can be dismissed, and I'll see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, or Sunday next week. God bless you.